This morning I want to take um, a little bit of time to um, just push into a little bit more of the Advent season and also the account of Matthew. So if you've got Matthew's gospel there, open up your Bible or your, your phone app or your whatever it is that you're using to read the scriptures, um, to Matthew chapter 1, and we'll get to that in a, in a moment. <clears throat> As I've been praying over this last week, the Holy Spirit's been talking to me again about the need that every single person has to be set free. And whether people are quick to acknowledge it or slow to acknowledge it, everyone is walking around with this sense of wanting to be freer than they currently are. And sometimes we have an understanding of why we're not feeling free. We can put words and understanding to what it is that's holding us captive. For some of us, it's just maybe this feeling or this sense or this... I think there's something more for me, but right now I feel very, very constrained and very held or captive. Um, for some of us, there's this weight that comes with that sense of captivity. Uh, and, and as the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me this week, he keeps saying to me, Kirk, we always need to understand. We always need to be forgiven. We always need to understand, we always need to be forgiven. You see, that that weighty thing that maybe is at work over your life or that, that deep internal unrest or sense of captivity um, needs to know the forgiving touch of God so that we can walk in greater freedom. Um, I remember very clearly, because it didn't just happen on the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ, it it continues to happen on a very regular basis where God continues to want to reach into my life and say, that part of you needs to know my forgiveness because I want to set you free. Um, you know, those that part of me or those parts of me often feel like, wait, they are often, I know, and I can try and kid others, but I can't kid myself and I can't kid God, I know that sometimes that sense of captivity is the fruit of my own selfishness and my own choices. I also know that sometimes that fruit is because of my needs to want to be in control of my life. I also know that that fruit of me... Um, of wanting freedom is also because I'm projecting onto everybody else my expectations that it's their responsibility to make me feel free. And we do that a lot. We project that onto others. It's like, in other words, it comes out with these words. It's your fault that you made me feel like this. And we make the, we, we keep the responsibility on the other than on ourselves. Now, I'm not saying that at times we are not sinned against. At times we most definitely are, and I'll speak into that in a moment. But I also know that that fruit of containment is also as a result of the fact that, you know what, doggone it, my flesh and my thought life is often very hungry and restless and continually wanting to resurrect itself other than, other than living in the life that Jesus has won for me. 
And as a result of that, I turn to other things or control measures to want to make sure that my flesh is satisfied. Um, Sometimes that sense of weightiness or that desire for wanting to be set free is the fruit of my rejecting, my continually rejecting the invitations from God to freedom, where he continually says, I'm hearing your prayer, here I am, come this way. And my response is, no, and I wonder why I still am not free. When Jesus is standing at the door and saying, come on out, let's go this way. Um, I know that with Jesus, and as we celebrate this Advent season, Jesus, it's very important that we understand his name and his activity because he came to set people free. Now let's go to Matthew. It's on the screen if you haven't got a Bible in front of you or your your Bible app. But let's just read this historical account from Matthew of the birth of Jesus Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was married to Joseph. Is it up there? Yep. To Joseph. Um, but before they, uh, they came together, that is, had a sexual union, she was found to be with a child through the Holy Spirit. Now, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, that was all divorce um, in this context was very legitimate under the law. There was a way to be able to do that. Um, and it says there he was, Mary was pledged to Joseph. In other words, he, he had not actually taken Mary into his home into daily living relationship with it. It was a pledge. It was, But in the context, when you're pledged to marriage, you are as good as living under and with. And so the, the, the scriptures are making a point here that, hey, she's not actually living with Joseph right now, and yet she finds herself to be pregnant, which gave Joseph every legitimate and lawful um, right to be able to say, we're not going to be going any further than this and we're going to separate and divorce and go our separate ways. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's quoting Isaiah there. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus and he gave him the name Jesus. This Advent, the Holy Spirit wants people to know Jesus has come to bring forgiveness to our lives in greater measure greater and greater freedom. And today, as we sit here, 
in this rather warm atmosphere of humidity in the shed, we're sitting also in the presence of God and we're opening his dynamic, his dynamic and powerful scriptures and the Holy Spirit is here wanting to bring us into a new experience of forgiveness. Now, one of the, one of the other things that um, is quoted there by Matthew is this, if I just go back here to the last, last line there, give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What we're seeing here is um, Matthew reaching back into some very deep historical promise of God that's in the heart of God for people. And it's all the way back. If you go and have a look at this, this scripture here, Psalm 130. Psalm 130 is a song of ascent, and it's a song where the people of Israel would come together and on their way to the temple after they had been, um, the kingdom had been somewhat restored to them and they were able to worship God again. They would sing this on the way to, to worship. And they would sing, Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sin, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, and therefore you're to be feared. And I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all of their sin. So this is the sense of hope, the sense of expectation that the people of God were crying out for with the arrival of the Messiah, with the King coming. And so when Jesus comes, he comes into this kind of atmosphere, this kind of atmosphere that says, God, are you listening to us? We're crying out to you for help, for redemption, for liberation, both politically, spiritually, physically, uh, economically. We're asking that you would set us free. And we want it, we want full redemption. And with that redemption is a clear experience of forgiveness from sin. So when Jesus arrives, Matthew says, that when he in his arrival, you are to name him, the angel says to Joseph, you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So we see Jesus with the Jesus event is the fulfillment of an old deep promise and cry from the people of God, to, from God, his promise. And so he gets the name Jesus. Now, this name's really, really important. It's not just like, a, well, let's give him the name Jesus. We'll pull that out of the hat. No, his name Jesus is a Greek form of the word Joshua. And literally, Joshua means Yahweh is salvation. Or it literally means God saves. So the name of Jesus is the actions of Jesus. The reason why he was to be called Jesus or Joshua was because now God is saying once and for all time, I am saving and in the business of saving. This is who God is. And it's interesting, it's in an angelic declaration that this inauguration takes place. 
He says, you're to call him Jesus because he will save people from sin. The reality is that in meeting Jesus, people's lives are completely redeemed, liberated and set free from the power of sin because this is what God is like. This is his nature. This is his way. This is his heart. This is his promise. This is his activity. His kingdom ruling and reigning is to liberate, set free and save people from their the fruit of their own choices, the fruit of their own selfishness, the fruit of their own decisions in rejection of the wisdom and the kindness of God. So when it comes to Advent, in the Jesus event, what we're saying when in reading this scripture, we're saying this is this has been declared through the angel's proclamation, and he's also saying this has been inaugurated. In other words, when royalty gets crowned, uh, you know we we've seen it maybe a few times. Some of us have seen it in different countries where they have kings and queens as their heads of state, and they have an inauguration ceremony. And what that means is the whole country stops, gathers, and makes the person who is about to become king or queen the focus point of the celebrations of the nation that says, you are our king, you are our head, you are our uh, overseer, you are the one that has complete authority and control over our lives, and it's you who gives us as the people meaning and life because it flows from your rule and reign. So the angel saying, you ought to give him the name Jesus, is a declaration God is saving, and it's also an inauguration where the whole world is stopping and looking at the birth of Christ. Well, they may not be, and they weren't then either. But in the eyes of God, he's saying, this is the one-time God event in the earth that says, I'm the king. And I am now letting you know that this declaration has commenced in the earth and I am in the business of saving people. This is what God is about. O Israel, O Israel, people of the kingdom, put your hope in God, for with God is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem from all their sin. It's an act of full redemption. The birth of Jesus is an act of God's redeeming love. Full stop. It's fully here. The redeeming work of God is here now. It's inaugurated. It's full. And not just some, not just some sin, not just the bad stuff. Well, not just the things that we think, oh, that's really bad sin. All sin, which is at its root, the basic nature of sin is to turn towards yourself and be your own king. And God is saying, no, I'm king and I'm going to root that thing out of everyone so that they can be free to live why I've made them to live. Full redemption. Have a listen to Psalm 130. I kind of put a little bit of my own spin on that one. Psalm 130. This is how I would pray Psalm 130. In the white, it's the actual text. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. That to me, when I'm praying like that, it is, Oh God, oh God, oh God, I need you. 
That's what the psalmist is praying. That's the guts, the heart, the orientation of the heart there. Oh, Lord, this is, you know, it's beautiful, isn't it? Oh, Lord, be attentive to my cry for mercy. Are you even there, God? I need your help. Please come. So if I had Kirk Delaney version of Psalm 130, this is what I'm giving you here. This is what it looks like. I need your help. Please come. If you, O oh Lord, kept a record of sin, oh God, I know I am riddled with this sin stuff in all its ugliness and its fruit and its pain and its bondages. I know it. This is how God likes us to turn up, fully aware. Oh Lord, who could even stand in front of you? Please, God, I know I'm so totally unworthy to even speak to you or call out to you, but here I am. But here I am. But with you there is forgiveness. I'm here because I need your forgiveness. I need your freedom, your restoration. And therefore you are to be feared. I realise that only you can do this. No other, no thing, no medication, no other relationship, no amount of positive speak over my life, no amount of money or sex or power or control can forgive me and set me free. I'm humbly here before you asking to be redeemed through your forgiving me and making me fully new. That's why God is to be feared because he can do all of that and we can't. That's what the psalmist was trying to get at. Say, you, you, do you know who we're in a relationship with here? This God of ours can do this, and he does it in the name and the person of Jesus. Full redemption from all sin. I remember, you know, well, it's more than I remember. It's like every day I hear the Holy Spirit asking, come alive to God, come alive to God. And in doing so, I'm asking God to forgive me afresh at the start of each day and to live in a sense of aliveness. You know, Paul did a great job in Romans 6. If you've got time this week, go and have a read of it, where Jesus he, he talks about how through Jesus Christ, Paul has now become dead to sin and alive to God. In other words, he's no longer a slave to this stuff. Now he's, he's alive in Jesus. There's a sense of aliveness that God wants for people, a living daily aliveness where we welcome the forgiving work of God over us through Jesus because that's his name and that's his reign, forgiveness and freedom. And we are most alive when we continue to live fully under the redeeming love of Jesus. And we are most dead and most bound when we continue to make anything or anyone other than Jesus the centre of our living and breathing. It could even be your illness that you want to order your life around that is holding you captive and robbing you of life in Christ. Oh, cheers, mate. I've got one, but that'll be good. Thank you. It is. Jesus forgives us and he forgives all of our sin. And he wants us to be a people who live alive to God. This is the good news of the Jesus event. That is why God sent Christ. He's, he has inaugurated this and declared this. This is what I'm about. I want people to live a full life, coming alive again. This Advent, hear the good news of the kingdom of God. The good news of the kingdom of God 
in the angelic words that were announced and inaugurated. God saves. God is fully redeeming and God is here to fully redeem you. Come into the experience of the good news of God. This Advent, let God, the God who saves, Jesus, save you, save your family, save your friends, save your work colleagues. Let the good news of the forgiving touch of God bring full redemption to your life and to mine. Let Jesus bring his name and bring his business. Let Jesus bring his name and let Jesus bring his business to your life. Let Jesus bring his name and let Jesus bring his business to your life. I had a deep sense this week um, as, as I've spent time with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that God sincerely wants to forgive people of sin because that is his name and that is his business. He is the saviour, the forgiver, the setter, setter to set people free and save them from their sin. There is stuff in all of our life that continues to trip, hamper, impede our freedom and our sense of liberty and our, and our dynamic sense of living alive. And we walk around in these half-dead states. Let the forgiving work of Jesus come and liberate you. This morning, as I wrote this prayer down in the yellow there, I had a hope, a, just a hunch from God, that that was the kind of thing that many of us pray in the quietness of our own lives. God, I know you can do this. Nothing else can set me free. I need to know your forgiveness and the power that it brings to bring me alive. It's not a one-time event. It is and it's ongoing. And the good news is that one day all of that will cease because the kingdom will be here, fully consummated, fully here. It has begun and now we wait in the midst of it continuing break to break in for the more. Friends, today I'm going to pray this prayer, that, that last paragraph there in the yellow that comes out of Psalm 130 because God has fulfilled the promise of that prayer in the person of Jesus. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and I'm going to ask you to focus on Jesus as we pray this prayer together this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, um, we just sit before you this morning and we ask right now for a revelation of Jesus. For a revelation of Jesus for all of us. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm here, God, because I need your forgiveness, I need your freedom, and I need to be restored. And I'm coming to you, God. 
I'm coming to you, Jesus, because that's your name and that's what you do. That's why I'm coming to you. And I and 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 fair income God, we don't want to kid ourselves in this space and we don't want to try and you know be anything other than the real deal in this moment. We realize God that only you can forgive sin. Only you can do this. And Lord, where I've looked to others, to other things, to other relationships, to medications, to positive speak, money, sex, power or control over others, would you forgive me? Because that's who you are and that's what you do. I'm humbly here asking you, redeem me through forgiving me and making me fully new. Come, Lord Jesus, get a good grip on my whole life that my whole life would come alive and I would no longer be a slave to sin. Come, Holy Spirit. One of the privileges that, that we have as, as friends of Jesus, and we can all do this, is we can make declarations even as the angels did when they spoke to Joseph that night. And I make a declaration to you now, even as you've humbly prayed that and sincerely postured yourself before God, I say it to the, to the consciousness of your heart and the earnestness of your will. I can say to you in Jesus' name, your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. And I just proclaim over you again, you now are set free. You now are set free. So, Lord, just in this next week, as we draw near to celebrating your birth. Let freedom mark our life like never before. Let liberty and freedom mark our life like never before. More than we could have imagined, Lord, as we live alive to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.